You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Q Robinson, is known for his work with Bobby Brown, Peebo Bryson, and Avery Sunshine, but also for his work drumming for big musical productions, such as his current spot as the drummer in the touring production of Hamilton. We are going to talk about all of these things, as well as gain some valuable insight into how Q got to be where he is at now, and he gives some really great advice. So come along with me as I catch up with Q Robinson. Q, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to see you. Likewise. I feel like COVID is taking years off of all of our lives and we haven't been able to do the the typical NAM hangs or the PASIC hangs, although I really hate that I didn't get a chance to go to PASIC this year. So, Oh my gosh. I've been hearing from so many people. Um, Actually, through the whole PASIC, Aaron Spears was texting me going, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. Why am I not there? You know? So, yeah. but oh, man, it was, then, it was tough. Yeah. Right? I think, I think a lot of um, this year in particular, for, for some reason, it got more visibility than in past years. And it's, it's been really great. The feedback's been great. So I think, I think, I think like next year, it's going to be huge. I feel like. I think so. I think. I think because of how COVID like just unexpectedly took everything from us. Mm -hmm. um, And it was just things that we took for granted. Like, uh, you know, people would be like, you know, oh, I'm only going to the winter NAM or, you know, Mm -hmm. forget the summer NAM. And PASIC was just like, oh, yeah, PASIC's for those drunk guys over there. You know, but when we didn't have it, we realized how valuable those things are. So I think there'll be a greater appreciation for it. Um, I know for me, the first time I went to PASIC, I was, I was just in love with everything about it. It was like, these are my people. I am home. Right. (laughs) And so like every year that I haven't been able to go since then, I think the last time I went was, uh, 20, 2019, 2018 or 2019. Um, and every year, like I haven't been able to go, it's just kind of been like, "Ah, I really need to get back. I really want to get back because, you know. Who doesn't want to talk about drums all day? Right? It's like you talk <laughs> about drums all day, you listen to drums all day, you try drums all day. It's it's the best. And then Uh-oh. And you're surrounded by I think there's something like there's something to be said about all being together in this little microcosm whereas yeah. Nam is huge, right? Nam has all the instruments, all the music everything it's and it's amazing and i love nam but um this is like a little i always call it a family reunion and it's yeah and it it's is bigger like the family's growing more companies are coming and more artists are performing and the word is spread and it's just this year i think was the best year so far and i'm i think like a lot of people will be there next year who um you know are going to be like wanting to experience what this year brought you know, I, I, I always say, like, uh, by and large, obviously, you always have, like, you know, a small group of the community that, you know, might not necessarily feel the same way. But I really feel like drummers are some of the the most community-laden uh, people that we have. Like, so, 
you know, regardless of who you play for or, you know, what your tax bracket is, the fact that you play drums is enough. And mm-hmm. um, that's the thing I love about, you know, PASIC, the 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 after hour hangs, you know, that St. Elmo's and Indy, you know, or going yes. to Nikki Blaine's, you know, um, you know, all of those things or hanging out with, uh, I'm not going to say their names, John Freckles and Aaron Vitria at Steak and Shake <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> bringing up the sun you know those yeah. things um they, they it's it's such a it's such a great thing you know um and a lot of my lifelong friends you know have come out of those hangs you know so it's it's yeah. it's it's a really good thing um and it was really cool i really wish i would have been there because my buddy chris hart got the um the achievement award this year and it was like so well deserved and i just wish i would have been there to kind of see him because he's always championing us Regardless of what we're doing, you know, if you're part of the crown, like he, you know, yeah. he always lets his uh lets his affinity for us be shown. So I wish I would have been able to be there to, you know, give him a little bit of that back. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you so much. I I was honored to um give Chris his award this year and I wow. got to make a little a little speech about him and the part about it that really like made me choke up and it's funny because there's a picture of us where he's like you know he gets up on the stage to to make his little speech and and you can see me in the background and I'm like all teary about it (laughs) (laughs) but it kind of goes along with what we're just talking about like I basically I said you know I talk a lot about this family environment that that this drumming community has it's a big family and PAS really fosters that family environment but if that vibe could be wrapped up in one human being it would be Chris Hart absolutely right at 100 percent 100 percent yeah and for anyone listening who doesn't know Chris is the um, head of artist relations at Remo and you know he's just one of the warmest funniest individuals ever it's bad dad jokes oh my god (laughs) yeah okay so i'm gonna tell you one it's really quick it's really short but this is a chris hart staple so a friend of mine was walking down the street and all of a sudden he gets hit in the head with a can of soda but he's okay luckily it was a soft drink (laughs) that's a hundred percent chris hart it's so good. 100%. It's 100%. So it's so crisp. You know, Q, I am one of the, the things that I cannot do ever is tell jokes. I'm the worst. I can't remember them. I can't tell them properly. It's just, it's just, I just don't do it. Also, um, accents. I can't try to do accents or voices or any of that either so right. those two things are off the table completely but chris will tell a joke that i know he's told a million times ago but I, you know that, that i know he's told a million times but i cannot remember it so i laugh every time <laughs> like it, you know and, and chris has a way of um sucking you into the joke and so yeah. you're engulfed like so yeah. you don't necessarily know it's a joke at first <laughs> until it makes that left turn and you're like ah oh. I'm I'm here now with with Chris and he'll be like, You get it, Q? Q, did you get it? Yes, Chris, I got it. A soft drink. Great. Thank you. But then every time you see him, it's that awkward silence because you're waiting for him to give you the next one. So Yes. It's so true. It's so true. Anyone 
anyone who's in his presence is is just lucky to be there. That's how I feel. Absolutely. I will tell you a quick story. This is before I even signed with Remo. Um, it was after um, one of our colleagues had fallen. Um, Marvin McQuitty um, had passed. And at NAMM, um, Chris uh, was at the head of putting together that tribute for him. Yes, yes. And um, at NAMM. And I just remember, you know, at the time, it was like, man, I want to be a part of a company that does that. Like, Marvin was no longer here on earth with us. He hadn't, he could no longer bring money into the company. He could no longer say anything about Remo. You know, they had nothing to benefit uh, by doing what they did for him. But the scholarship program that they started, that Mike Mitchell actually won that year. Yes. Um, they flew his family in for it. And I just remember. I had not met Chris yet. And I was like, wow, whoever that is, I want whatever company he's a part of, I want to be a part of that because that's family. And, um, you know, years later to be a part of the Remo family. And when he says it, it is not just an obloviation of, you know, um, accolades or anything like that, when he says it's a family like none other, you know, it is a family like none other. And, attitude reflects leadership and that's because of how he is and everything just kind of you know trickles down from that and it's mm -hmm. because of his kind nature and his big heart that you know um you know that the culture of remo artist family is the way it is because of chris so yeah yeah and i and i will say too you know all companies make great products there are mm -hmm. you can find what you need from pretty much any company. Some, some you don't have to search a little a little harder to figure out what your sound <laughs> is, right? But like, right. you can find what you need in any of these companies. But what sets mm -hmm. one company apart from the next is really the people in it and Absolutely. the vibe that they create and the relationships that they foster. And so, you know, I think that's like, I always talk, I always say it's all about the relationships and it really is. It's just, it really that's is. what makes someone choose a brand over another. And I think for consumers, it's the same way because if you're a consumer and you have all these choices laid out before you, um, but one feels like it's an environment that you want to be a part of, or it's a brand mm -hmm. that you're buying into the vibe of the brand really. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I cannot agree with you more. Um, I just think that, you know, like, like you said, like all of these companies make amazing, amazing products. But after all of the tours are over, after all of the money is spent, after your career is over, you know, to be able to reach out to a Sarah and say, hey, I was just thinking about you today, you know, or hey, Chris, what cigar are you smoking on today? And to yeah. get a genuine answer, you know, um, I tell guys all the time, I get DMs almost on the weekly, oh, you know, how I get an endorsement. And I was like, ah, you know, we'll focus on the relationship because yes. at the end of the day, that's the thing that lasts. And if you go on, go under a pretense of, okay, I'm just doing this for the gear, you're going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it, it is, it is literally, and that's why I always like when I speak to you, when I speak to Chris, when I speak to all of these other amazing reps that I'm able, fortunate enough to work with, it's important that, you know, you guys are people and humans first. And I think sometimes we in this, our environment 
um, we look right past the human and go right for the title of the person. Oh, this person is the A and R of such and such, and they can get me into this door, or they can get me this gear. And I don't think that's what relations. A part of artist relations is relations. It's like yes. relating to a person and being human first. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, yeah. I, that's a whole diatribe that I won't <laughs> go there. That is a totally different thing. But, you know, I, I have a passion for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a heart for people. And um, sometimes it just kind of rubs me the wrong way to actually see, you know, people just disregard the human just to mm-hmm. get what's in the person's hand as opposed right. to looking for their heart. So yeah. absolutely. And that never it never works out. You know, you might yeah. you might get something out of it. But at the end of the day, it's not a long term relationship situation that you really you really would benefit from. So I always say the same thing. I, I, when someone asks me that question, I always say the same thing. I say, develop the relationships with those people, show them that you love the product, that you're dedicated to promoting it in whatever you're doing. And for me on the opposite side of it, um, Armin Zildjian meeting him for the first time and my first interaction with him, I was really just a kid. I was like, you know, 17 years old. Um, Mm -hmm. But the way that he treated me in that moment, in that interaction, like I was so important to him and my opinions meant something to him. And that changed me and how I looked at other people because I felt like, wow, you know, he saw something in me that was important to him and he made me feel important at the same time. So that was a good, that was a good lesson to learn. And then what's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift. It was. Yes, absolutely. Um, before I forget to mention to one other person who kind of falls into this category and I saw you post a picture with him is Mitch from Audi Mute. Yes. And oh my God. That man. That amazing. <laughs> His energy is through the roof. Uh, yes. Man. I love, I love Mitch. Um, I got a chance to hang out with him. Um, when I was on the A2 Proud tour, we spent, uh, I think it was like two or three weeks in Cleveland and um, just being able to, like, I I have never experienced a business owner musically related that's so connected with everything in his community. Like where we went to eat breakfast, he's the one that did the audio, tre- the, the acoustical treatment in there. And then he was like, hey Q, I know you want to eat lunch. Let's go over here went over there and you know just just consistently in this community just consistently you know leading with his heart and um i was just blown away by that like mitch is golden like he is he's and his energy is just crazy his energy is incredible he he created the studio for me in like a day and a half, basically. Like, and it, and it was, it was amazing. And of course, like I helped as much as I possibly could, but he's just so incredible. Like you said, is his energy. He's got so much energy. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this guy. And he's so creative and giving and you know, he passionate. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know one person. I don't know one person that's ever met Mitch and did not like him, you know. Agreed. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah he's a great guy. He's great so guy. Yeah. So I, I wanted- can't wait to get back to Cleveland. So I'm hanging out with him the entire time. He'll get sick of me. I think yeah. I'm going to change my last name to Zlotnik for that, those six weeks. <laughs> 
You're just going to be part of the family, right? Yep. Yep. And you're going to the house, eating dinner, you know, yes. hanging out at the factory. I'm going to make something. We're going to, I don't know what I'm going to make, but I'm making make something, something at the factory. Yep. I fully believe this. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about it. Um, but let's, let's talk about you a bit. I want to hear more about you and kind of how you got your start, because I don't know, I don't know too much about your start in drumming, music in general. Um, I did hear about um, a moment in your, like a formative moment in your music when you first heard Toto's Africa. And that was from the Big Fat Five podcast. So oh my God. <laughs> I have to ask about that in particular, because, you know, Toto for me as a child, it, you know, came out, that album came out when I was, I just a baby basically, but mm -hmm. I was obsessed, obsessed. Mm -hmm. Um, which probably explains how I ended up where I ended up, but like, <laughs> <laughs> right. but tell me about that, um, that experience of like discovering that music and like how you got your start. Cool. So, um, I've been, honestly, I've been playing drums since I was three. Um, um, a story that's not unfamiliar. I started playing drums in church. Mm -hmm. Um, but I grew up very in a very strict and structured household. You know, if it wasn't gospel music, you know, it was not being played in the house. And um, every year, my parents used to take my sister and I, like right after the last day of school, you know, pack up the car and we would go somewhere on vacation, family vacation every summer. And one year for my dad's, uh, for my mom's birthday, my dad bought her a brand new car. And it was a 1985 Cutlass Salon. And back then in 85, um, every car that came out of Detroit, um, you got a courtesy tape. And on that courtesy tape, there was uh, the most popular songs of that time. And right. um, it was more like a, you know, thank you for purchasing our car. You know, I think, think it went away, but I think when CDs were uh, a thing, I think uh, dealerships used to do the same thing with CDs. Mm -hmm. And um popped in the tape and it was not gospel. And it was the first time I had heard something different. And I looked at my dad and my mom and it was like, we can listen to it because we're on a, we're on a road trip. And um, the first thing you hear are these drums. And I didn't know what it was. There was no YouTube, there was no Google. All I knew that it said, Toto by Africa. I yeah. did not know who Jeff Picaro was. I didn't know who Joe Picaro was. I just know, I just knew that those drums spoke to me, and I listened to that song. I broke that tape. Like yeah. I rewinded <laughs> so much, I broke it. But there were other songs on on that record, like "Try Again" by Champagne, "Birdland" by Jaco Pistorius. Like so, there were a lot of songs, but that Africa song just spoke to me and um yeah so uh grew up um so that's the story about the africa by toto um but like i said grew up you know basically born under a pew um my grandfather was the pastor of the church that i went to so like it was a very small storefront oriented church family oriented church and um it was just something i did you know, um, I, I didn't think it was anything special, you know, I just play drums, you know, I play mm -hmm. drums at church. 
and um, got into performing arts high school as a theater major. I was actually an actor and they found out that I could play drums um, because there was a drum set in the cafeteria one day and I sat down and played. The music teacher heard me and was like, oh, I didn't know you played drums. So then I started playing, you know, with the choir at the school and then went to middle school, same thing. And um, when I got to high school, I was the lead in the school play and I was also moonlighting as the jazz band drummer. And um, we were doing Treasure Island and I was trying to do both. I was running to the drummer room to do my scenes and then running from there to the band room to try to get practice in. And um, at 14, 15 years old, you think you have everything figured out. And the band director and the music, the drama um, instructor was like, hey, you can't do both. Like you have to choose. Right. And in that moment, they were thinking more in micro, like, hey, you can't do this drama performance and this jazz band's performance. You have to choose one. I'm mm -hmm. thinking they're saying, you can't choose music. You have to choose music or th music theater. Mm -hmm. So because uh, music was more popular, you know, I had drumsticks in my back pocket. The girls seemed to like it. So <laughs> I chose music and never looked back at um, music theater again until later on in my life. But, you know, um, started really honing in on music, um, really getting serious about drums, learning how to read, learning my theory, um, trying to learn as much as I possibly could. <clears throat> Ended up going to undergrad at the University of Miami, did some micro minor terms at um, FIU. Florida International University. And um, my career just began to grow. You start meeting people, start building reputations. And um, I did as much as I could, but um, out of college, I started teaching. I taught high school math for like five years and was the assistant band director at a local high school and decided in 20, 2010 that I wanted to do music full time. So packed up all of my grip, moved to Atlanta, and Atlanta is one of those places where um, the same musicians that you see playing at a church are the same musicians that could be on stage, you know, with Justin Bieber, you know, right. yes. the next night, right? Um, so Atlanta was one of those places. It was a melting pot of cultures. It was also a melting pot of talent. Um, so I was the sub guy for everybody, you know, the way I met Melly is I was subbing for Melly on the corporate band gig. And, you know, that turned into, hey, man, um, our music director needs some help programming for the new edition tour. And then that turned into that. And then it was, oh, I can't make this gig. And I heard you play drums. So you want to do this Bobby Brown gig. And then that turned into People Bryson. And that turned into Avery Sunshine. And that turned into Anthony David and Kenny Lattimore and Shante Moore. The list goes on. But um, it was really organic. Um, of how everything kind of happened. <clears throat> and then uh, 2016, I got a random call from a theater. A friend of mine, Brian Andrews, got a call to do this musical that he couldn't do and they needed someone that could read. And I got a call um, and it was a, a musical that had Broadway, that has Broadway aspirations. And I went in and they were New York, um, producers and New York music directors. So like just kind of being in that room, th my love for the theater, music theater ignited again. 
but this time it was under the guise of being the drummer as opposed to being on top of the stage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from that time until this one, you know, that's kind of been my career focus of, you know, doing more music, musical theater stuff. And that landed me, you know, you know, on Broadway, you know, subbing on Ain't Too Proud and then doing the tour and now subsequently doing Hamilton now on the road. So, so, so fantastic. And I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to try not to forget a few of the things I wanted to touch on in there because it's it's so amazing. And there are a few things that stood out. One that, um, you know, being a math teacher, mm -hmm. being a reader, a music reader, like you have to mm -hmm. be for all the things that you've done and be, you know, right. being really proficient at that. It's so math oriented as well. And I always think about drumming and math in the same, you know, category. Like there's so mm -hmm. much there's so much correlation there. Um, I'm a, I'm a crazy math person. I love, love, love math. Like, you know, would do math equations for fun. And I feel like there's something there and, you know, there, there's, a, there's that connection. So I love that you were the math teacher and like, <laughs> right. Like it just fits. It fits. Um, it makes sense. A, a plus, A plus B will always equal C, you know, right. and you know, a quarter note is a quarter note. You know, and even when you change the rules, according note is still according note. <laughs> you know, right, so, right. And I always yeah. felt like math, like understanding math concepts helped me understand time signatures, time changes. Um, mm -hmm. It helped me actually put things into a better or easier perspective for sure. me to understand to break things down. Like, okay, this is this is this time, but it's also you can feel it like this. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And mm -hmm. to me, that was a always. So, so all of the reading um, really lent itself to where you are now because you have to be able to like read incredibly well to be doing the job that you're doing now. Yes. Yes. We can thank uh, Andres Ferrero for putting this book together and giving me, I feel gray hair growing as I <laughs> look through this book. Yeah. You know. Andres is so, so great. And I mean, I just, I love him as a human being, as a yes. player, just so incredible. But yeah, so he wrote this book that you're, that you're playing and, and you know, it's, it's, it's a, not it's a beast. It's yeah. a beast. I feel like if I had two arm, two more arms, I would still need one more arm, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at the first time I got the book. I'm like, like, so before I got the book, um, Quick story about Andres. You're talking about people who lead with their heart and have passion. <clears throat> I was, um, you know, you're talking about investing in yourself. Like, so I had maybe like two or three days off and, you know, I just had this and I was like, I got to, I got to be there. I got to get into the city. I need to do something. So I took some sky miles, flew up to New York, um, went on hotels tonight. And it just so happens that Paramount Hotel, which is right across the street from the Richard Rogers Theater, had rooms for like $65. It was crazy. Um, so that's why I was staying for the weekend. And I was like, I want to go and see a show. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I just feel like I need to be here. So luck would have it. Hamilton was a still a very hot ticket. I got a rush ticket for like 60 bucks. Wow. When it sat in the mezzanine, had no idea who was playing drums. I just knew I loved the music. 
So I'm reading through the playbill like we used to do with liner notes back in the day. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this guy's playing the show. I literally text him on Insta- direct message and find him on Instagram, direct message him. It was like, hey, man, we don't know each other. My name was Quentin Robinson. You know, um, I'm a drummer. I'm sitting here in the mezzanine and your drums sound absolutely amazing. He does not know me. We do not know each other. He does not. He did not follow me or anything like that. He says, oh, man, thank you so much. Meet me at the stage door after the show. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. So after the show, it's a crappy pizza place across the street. We went <laughs> over there. We had pizza. Then we just started talking. He was like, when's the next time you're in New York? I was like, I'll be back next week. He was like, um, please accept my invitation to sit in the pit. And I know for a fact that he was getting at least 20 to 30 um inquiries of sitting in that pit a week mm-hmm. a week mm-hmm. and he was like q i want you to sit in my pit i was like and for me i just loved the music so much and i wanted to see how he did what he did and i'm sitting there and i was like there's absolutely no way this guy is doing the things that he's doing mm-hmm. and the innovation behind what he was doing to create the sound for this show and so you know fast forwarding now being in a similar chair and having that book and reading the stuff that I have to do, like mallets with two hands while playing electronics and like <laughs> triggering something else. You know, I love that guy, but you know, I'm gonna choke him when I see him because <laughs> I, I feel gray hair growing as I even talk about, you know, the show. So. Oh my gosh. I know. I, I, Andres is so, he's just so fantastic. I feel like um the first time I met him, there was just like a, a family connection there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like we're, we're mm-hmm. just family. And I, I, mm-hmm. I talk about family a lot, but it, it's so true. Yes. It's so true. I love him. Yeah. Can't wait to see him, you know? And I just, I feel like it's just, that's what, that's what we're all about. But yeah. That's he leads with his heart, man. Yeah. He's another one that just, he's so passionate. You know, I'm enamored with individuals that when you talk about Chris Hart and you talk about Mitch you can talk about Andres. These are all guys who lead with their heart, who who have a passion for what they do, you know, and that passion spills out on the other people. It's infectious. <clears throat> and um, they have definitely, you know, impacted my life and made me want to be a better person because of how they are. But Andres from a drumming perspective, specifically in the the Broadway community, was one of the first people that kind of like, just kind of reach his arms out. Um, I always say that Broadway has a doorway, but there's no doorknob on the outside. Someone from the outside, from the inside has to let you in. And um, guys like Andres, Dina Torriello, Clayton Craddock, you know, um, Clint DeGannon, you know, um, Damian Bassman, all of these guys have literally like welcomed me with open arms, you know, and I know I'm forgetting so many that, but Andres was that first point of contact. And, you know, it wasn't about how I sounded and how fast my 32nd note triplets could be at a tempo of 235. It was none of that. It was just, he invested in me as a person. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and congratulations on this, on this gig too. It's just amazing as such an incredible show. One of my favorites ever. And, um, 
I'm just thinking like it must it's it must be cool for you to kind of like go back to something that you loved and you mm-hmm. chose to kind of like move away from for a while. But now mm-hmm. the musical theater thing is back in your life. And I'm guessing that your experience on stage helps you understand what's going on as you're drumming, as you're playing. Absolutely. Along. Absolutely. I always tell people I, I'm just an actor on drums. You know, um, the, I think the first um, podcast interview I did was that we talked about that, and like understanding the dynamics of a musical are different than the dynamics when we play on stage and understanding what it means to be under dialogue. You know, it's not just playing softly, you know, it's about right. playing softly with intent. You know, um, it's the the emotion of the wind chimes. It's the emotion of the cymbal swell. You know, understanding what it means to lead lead an actor without pushing them or pulling them. You know, um, all of those things. You know, and being able to put myself in that position simply because I can be like, okay, if I was on stage, what would I want from a drummer right here? You know, what what would help me out in this moment? and being able to, um, even with choreography, you know, understanding what's important, like, um, you know, putting the ego aside. Yeah, that that feel that I worked for three weeks on to get perfect sounds great, but does it really serve the purpose that the actors need on stage? It's really a service position. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's one of the things I love about music theater um, as being the hidden smaller cog in the bigger wheel. Um, no one sees my face, but they feel everything that I'm doing. And every decision that I make on the drums affects someone in a different way. And um, I think that's one of the romantic things about drumming in a pit, you know, some, and let's be real, as musicians to be able to do what we do at a high level, there has to be some level of narcissism. Um, but like, I don't mind not being seen. Like I rather be felt, I rather be heard and music theater gives me that opportunity. And if I can help, you know, tell a story percussively for, and build a foundation for the people that are seen on stage to be able to do that, you know, that's what I would want as an actor. So like I'm an actor on drums, so. Right, yeah, Yeah, that's a way, that's a great way to describe it. Absolutely, that's so fantastic. Um, and one of the other things, like you mentioned, you know, two mallets in one hand and doing electronics and everything, um, that's (laughs) the electronics. I know I'm imagining this, but the electronics part of what you do, of what you Mm -hmm. have created for your career and embracing, you know, Ableton and, and becoming like well-known for your work there and, and the ability to be a musical director and understand all of those things. Um, that's fascinating to me. That's one thing like I'm very, I let, I love electronics. I love technology, but it's not my forte (laughs) for sure. (laughs) And so like when I, when I meet someone like you, or I hear about how great you are at, at that and that, you know, people call you for that. It's so, it's such a great and in demand skill. You know, um, I wish I could say that it was from this this grand epiphany that I had, you know, I'm going to do this thing, but it really came out of a need. Um, 
so culturally in church, um, particularly the black church experience, um, most of the time your drummers are responsible for creating loops, like drum, like whether it be on an MPC or, you know, whatever the, the latest drum machine is. Um, but I can remember, you know, one of the first opportunities I had, um, the artist needed to run stems and mm -hmm. I really wanted the gig. I really wanted that job. And no one in the, in the band knew how to do it. And I was like, I'll do it. You know, in my head, it was like, how hard could it be? I already do drum machine stuff. Like, let me figure it out. Um, because I felt like if no one took the onus or the responsibility to do it in this particular construct of band, they would have got rid of all of us and would have hired someone else. Sure. And I wanted to do that gig. So, you know, I locked myself in a hotel for three days and took my Roland VS-1680, like <laughs> old school, yes. and my MPC. I had a PC. I didn't have a Mac computer yet. And I took all of these stems and put them in the free words. You remember Audacity? I like do. Free... So that was my first beginning of programming. I took all of those stems, put them in Audacity, lined them up. And in real time, one by one, recorded them into the VS-1680 to be able to play them live. Wow. You know, um, retroactively put a click in there because there was no click with the songs. And um, it just kind of went from there. And then I realized after having success with there, I was like, there has to be an easier way to do this. There has to be an easier way to get this done. And um, that's when it actually, st I started going down the rabbit hole of Ableton, um, started going down the rabbit hole of Pro Tools and understanding their variances and the things that they, each one of them do well. And um, I'm, I'm at home with it simply because um, it allows me, from a drumming perspective, I kind of feel like being a programmer allows me to see the music in a more global view as opposed to a direct drum view. Like obviously the vehicle that I'm using is playing drums, but having the aerial view of the total construct of the music allows me to, you know, kind of be a bit more musical and to be a bit more effective in certain ways that maybe drummers might not necessarily do because they might not hear it as a, the same way. Um, right. So with this musical, you know, it encompasses all of that, you know, although I thank God I'm not running Ableton because I don't have the brain power to be able to play this book and play able do Ableton oh, at the same time. Um, our percussionist, Katie, does an incredible job and is difficult and as demanding as the drum book is. Um, when we see each other in Boston, I'm going to introduce you to Katie. You have to see what she does in this show. I can't wait. She is the central nervous system of our show. She's running all of the click tracks. She's running Ableton. She is also playing keys on some songs. She's playing vibraphones, just doing everything percussive, wow. all things percussion. And anything that you think is a loop is not a loop. It's actually her playing real time. So Hamilton is actually comprised of two drummers playing at the same time. She's just on the electric stuff. Mm-hmm. So she has a kick drum, uh, electric kick drum. She has her pad and she's literally, we're literally playing together the entire time. And um, 
this show um, pulls at every part of, unbeknownst to me, what I have been creating as far as the electric component or being the hybrid drummer, you know, being able to live in the electric world and the acoustic world and bring those things together. Right. That's so. amazing. Well, I can't, I can't wait to see the show. I can't, I can't wait to meet Katie. That, yeah, that sounds amazing. She's a force. She's a force. I, yes. You're going to love Katie. Katie is amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. We'll have to, we'll get, go get some terrible pizza across the street. See, <laughs> Can we find terrible pizza in Boston? I kind of feel I like every know. time I eat there, I have really good food there. Yeah, we'll have we'll have some really really good food in Boston. That that'll be the plan. Um, Amazing. But um, but you know, you you said something I just want to touch on too. I don't want to forget about this. But um, you learned how to do that out of necessity, and mm. you didn't know how, but you said yes. I'm going to figure it out. I'm just I'm just going to figure it out, and you did. And I'm sure it was hard, and I'm sure there were very frustrating moments. Um, but I think that's an important lesson because. You know, we're all we all have things that are difficult to us, whether it's maybe reading or you know, reading music or um, or the electronic side of things or getting ourselves out there, putting ourselves out there for for different things. But like that's an important thing, like to do that, that thing that's hard. Um, mm -hmm. And and you, you know, nailed it. You you got there. So that's so great. Thank you. Well, you know, um, I have a friend, his name is Kipper Jones. He's a songwriter. He wrote uh, a bunch of songs for a bunch of different people. More notably, he wrote, I want to be down for Brandy. And um, which just, you know, I think 25 year anniversary and over however many millions of albums sold. Mm -hmm. um, he told me one time um, we were getting ready to do a gig and he was like, you got to say yes and figure it out. Yes. You know. There's never a perfect, you're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have enough resources. You're never going to have enough ability to start. And yeah. you just have to say yes and figure it out. Yes. You know, yeah, because that is so true. Yeah. I, I think I mean, for me, um, that's just something I kind of, I live by, you know, it's always impossible until someone does it. You know, I can't tell you how many times I was laughed at or, you know, picked on because I wanted to do this thing. Oh, what, what you're going to move to New York? You know, who knows you up there? You know, mm -hmm. man, do you know who's playing that show? You know, you're never going to be like, I heard all of the naysayers, but sometimes those whispers of doubt, not only from other people, but from yourself, you know, you have to hear that, that positive voice you know, louder than those other ones, you mm -hmm. know, because, you know, um, I saw something on Instagram the other day, it said, you don't have to be amazing to start, but you have to start to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And by no means am I calling myself amazing. But what I do realize is you can always find a reason not to do something. You yeah. can always find a reason. And a lot of times we use a geogra um, geography or resources as a reason why not. And honestly, the crux of it comes down to us being fearful. Yes. And um, we can't operate in that fear. Um, some of, you know, your good friends and some colleagues of mine, you know, it all started with a yes, you know, and it wasn't someone giving them a yes. It was giving themselves permission to go out there and be the best that they can be. 
And, you know, I'm hoping that someone will see what I'm doing and see my story and be able to identify with something that I've done or said, and it pulls them into their own yes, you know, whether it be in business or whether it be opening up a practice or, you know, being a drummer or Mm -hmm. starting a very successful podcast, you know, um, I just want people to be able to hear my story and say, you know what, if Q can do it, he came from an obscure beginning and look where he ended up, you know, I can do it too. So Mm -hmm. that's important to me, you know, so this is not about like, even when I post things, it's not about, Hey, look at me. It's about, Hey, if I did this, so can you, you know, it's nothing special about me that has me sitting here, but my giving myself permission to do it. Yes. Yeah. To be, to be an example and to be an inspiration for other Mm -hmm. people. I think that's like, when that's your, when that's your goal, it's, you're you're going to do it. You just are, you know, and I agree with you. The hardest thing to do is start Um, to make that decision to do something that's uncomfortable or scary or new. Um, But I, I say the same thing. Like you just, you have to jump in. You have to be willing to jump in because there are, you know, thousands and thousands of people who aren't willing to jump in. So just, just do it. Be that person. Um, And then show others because it's important to be the face of, of possibilities, I guess. Um, and you, and you are that. So, you know, you're, you're doing so, so great. And then, you know, the other thing too, is it's a perfect example of the relationships mattering because, um, I would never have started this podcast without friends who kind of not only gave me encouragement, but advice about what mic to use and what platform to go on and how how to do it. (laughs) And then Mitch coming and and putting the studio together for me, Um, you know, things like that, those people in your life that you've, you've fostered those close relationships with, and you can go to for advice, pick up the phone and Mm -hmm. ask someone. And that's one thing that I would say, for anyone out there listening who's thinking about getting into something that's new for them, like reach out to people who are doing what you want to do and, and be, um, you know, be willing to listen and take the advice and, you know, like you Instagramming Andres from the mezzanine at the show. And, and he says, Hey, come meet me at the, the stage door. And, you know, not everyone is, is as great as Andres, but right. still, even those people that just give you a little hint of advice or a little like, you know, snippet of insight, it's worth it. It's worth it. To Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you, you said something um, about putting yourself out there. And I think um, it, it's not easy. You know, um, and us being musicians, you know, our art is very personal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's easy for us to just hold on to it because we know how we're going to take care of it. And we're going to, the hardest thing sometimes is putting our heart, our art out there, you know, for other people to see. And it might yes. not necessarily be received, you know the way we want it to be received and then you know we take it to heart but the thing about it is like i think um i took a bunch of psychology classes in college and like the human brain is just predisposed to negative thinking i think we always just kind of 
feel like the worst thing can always happen. Think about when you were first starting to ride a bike or mm-hmm. the first time you got on an airplane or you, you, you were driving a car. The the worst thing in our minds, those we're going to fall, we're going to crash, the plane is going to fall out of the sky, right? Yes. You know, um, but more times than not, those things don't necessarily actually happen. Right. You know, so a lot of times, you know, the fear that we have is built up in our minds based on this thing that we hold so close to us and we don't want to like, yes, there are people that I have reached out to and they have absolutely been, their response have been less than desirable, right? Or you're met with a level of indifference, but you can't let a no stop you. You can't let one negative or bad interaction stop you. If you know that this is something you want to do, don't be, don't be overbearing, don't be a jerk, but be tenacious, you know? Yeah. Um, and people people will see that if you're authentic and you're genuine and you're coming in with no ulterior motives. Yes. Because a lot of times, you know, people may come in, oh man, I love your stuff. And really what they want is for you to get them a snare drum or you to hook them up with the symbol deal or whatever. Um, right. But if it's something that you want to do, you know, identify those people that are doing it well, you know, and use those individuals, like you said. And I think that's such a big part of it because no one gets to where they are in their career alone. And um, I definitely don't want to ever make it seem like, oh, I'm the self-made man. No, there are hundreds of people that have helped me along the way, whether it's been a pat on the back when I needed it or, you know, hey, man, just keep doing what you're doing. Or even the person that told me, hey, man, you you suck. You yeah. know, you know yeah. using all of that to help propel you to the next level and not allow it to make you stagnant. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that's a great point, Sarah. Like, you just have to get out there and bet on yourself and put yourself out there. Yes. Yeah. Bet on yourself. Right. Because at the end of the day you what do you have but but that you have you have you and everyone is so incredibly unique and i think about art and music in that way where you have it's almost like your baby that you don't mm-hmm. want to like hand off to anyone else to hold because you're like that's my baby and i know yeah. how to take care of it right <laughs> and like yeah. so i think about that with music and art but there's something incredible about l- letting someone else experience that beauty that you've mm-hmm. created and mm-hmm. knowing that their interpretation of it might not be what you intended but it might even be better mm-hmm. right like you might yep. affect someone with your music or your art in a way that changes them or changes their life or their perspective on something um so you have to kind of take that opportunity with the chance that someone's really not going to get it either. And that's okay. And that's okay. I Mm -hmm. I think about my brother, um, who's a painter Mm -hmm. and he went to art school and he had this, um, installation for his graduation. And, and it was, um, this really incredibly beautiful, colorful kind of like, um, paint dripping concept. And Mm. I was just like fascinated. I'm going like, this is just, this is really, really beautiful. And the way that the colors kind of work together and the way that he mm. used kind of like b- bright colors, but some parts of it were muted. 
the way that it was dripping, like I just, to me, I did spoke to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember him saying something like, you know, well, I think mom and dad are probably like, I paid for art school for my son to like have this like drip, you know, dripping paint thing. (laughs) But in that moment, I thought to myself, you know, um, not everyone has to get it. It doesn't have to mean something or the same thing to everybody. And I think about that with music too. And I know it's hard. It's hard to put yourself out there like that. Um, It's hard for me to put myself out there a lot too. You know, you're like, what if people don't like me? What if they don't like my face or whatever? (laughs) Like you think about stuff like that. Um, Because you get get weird random comments from people. I remember a Zildjian video where someone said, oh, I hate her eyebrows, you know? And I'm like, okay. (laughs) But it's, you know, know, (laughs) it's one of those things where you have to, you have to accept that there are a certain percent of people that aren't going to appreciate who you are, what you have, what you're giving, what you're doing, but that's okay. Because for whatever percentage of the people who get it or are moved by it or affected by it, or even have like life-changing moments, like, like you were describing, um, it's, it's important to just do it, to just be that. That's what it was meant for. Right. That's what it was meant for. If if it hits one person and changes their life, or it hits a hundred million people and changes their life, you know, um, it was meant for those people. I really believe that our art is a deeper connection to a higher power, uh, and that's why it's so unique. Like each one of our gifts are so unique, and um, if if we just hold it, like it it's not serving the purpose. Like it's like that security blanket, but you know, our art is out there. That's the reason why we're artists. That's the yes. reason why your brother paints. That's the reason why, you know, we are musicians because that art is supposed to tap into a higher power and what's supposed to heal people and inspire people and make people think about things differently. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times because it does all of those things for us, you know, we don't want to let it go, but I kind of feel like the the next dispensation of once we empty ourselves when we refill it's even the more because you know whether you believe in god or the universe or whatever when we replenish that it becomes even more bountiful simply because the universe now understands god now understands that he can trust us with disseminating that you know i think about Honestly, I think about Aaron Spears and when I was just talking about that, of how he is when he plays mm-hmm. and his specific gift when he plays drums is different when I hear an Andres play mm-hmm. or it's different when I hear a Dave Weckl play. And although they're all playing drums, they are all speaking to me differently, you know, and to that point, you know, the more they pull out, you know, the next time I hear them, it's even more incredible because they've they've poured out onto other people. Um, but yeah, like I I, I just kind of feel like we have to give our ourselves so much permission, and um, you know, you know, is is let me say this. I know it may seem easy for me to say that now, sitting in the position that I'm sitting in now. But to someone that is listening, that is just thinking about starting, I know that it's not easy. Yes. I get that it's not easy. However, 
that thing that's tugging at you to be, that thing that is tugging at you that you know that there's a greater, deeper purpose for your music than what it is now or your business or whatever, it's there for a reason. It is there for a reason and it's not always easy, but you can't grow in comfort. You have to move into the uncomfortable to be able to get that, you know, so. That's my, I'm off of my soapbox. I'm sorry, Sarah. (laughs) I didn't mean to turn this into a motivational speaking session, but I, I just, that's just where I am. And I'm only here because of that, you know? Yes. So. Absolutely. It's so important. Don't apologize whatsoever. It's really, (laughs) it's really, really important. And I, I, I get on the soapbox about it too. Um, But I also want to encourage people to just, go after what they're passionate about because, because, you know, I, I have had many struggles. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I'm happy. And that, and that's, and that's worth it. Right. Yes. So yes, 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 yes. And let me say publicly, you're doing an incredible job. I, I, I feel like I've been watching this thing you've been doing from the very from the very beginning, you know, and I think you're doing a, an amazing job. I can't wait to see what happens with it. Um, and yeah, so I don't know who that person was with the eyebrow thing, but if I ever see anyone, <laughs> snap them. I mean, slap them. But you know, you know I, to, I, we, we were talking about um, you're talking about you know the the Zildjian video, then you know talking about. Um, being preconceived to negative disposition or whatever, our minds, you know, you could put a video up and you can get a hundred likes and then it's the one thumbs down that you over obsess over. Sure. You know, you yes. could have like all of these millions of comments that are just, you know, complimentary and that one person that would be like, eh, it was okay. Right. And you fixate on that. You do, and, and you want to know why. Why didn't they yeah. like it? What happened, right? Mm-hmm. I know, and there, it's, there's some, I don't know if it's like growing up or with time or age or, or whatever it is, but like there's something that comes from from that growth that lets you let that go. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, um, I understand that whoever made that eyebrow comment, right? You know, they were having a bad day or they're not happy. Or they just could have been a jerk, Sarah. You're letting them off the hook. They could have just been a jerk. Right. (laughs) But like, but at the end of the day, it's like, um, it's really not even my business to worry about that. So Mm -hmm. I kind of just let it go. And it and that also that mindset also helps with those voices that you were talking about earlier, where you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I have, you know, all this, okay, Sarah, you can do it. You're gonna do this and this is gonna be great. And then you have that voice who's like, Oh, this isn't gonna be good or you're going to mm-hmm. trip and fall when you go out on the stage. I think about that all the time. Like, mm-hmm. what if I, what if I just trip and fall like that kind of thing? Um, but, you know, and you are able, I think, with time and experience to just kind of like quiet that, that negativity and, yeah. and be more peaceful about things. And then realize also, like, if you did trip and fall on stage, that it, it happened, you know, and it, and it was a moment in time and, Yes, everything's captured for eternity now on a million <laughs> iPhones, but like, but like it was a moment and people get over things and, and also people have a terribly short attention span nowadays. So it goes away. Um, yeah. 
So take the risk. I just say, take, take the risk, do it, do the hard things, do the things that make you uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, you'll be better for it. And you'll find, you'll find what makes you happy. Yes. Agreed. I, I, we're in lockstep with that. I believe that wholeheartedly, you know, um, when my time on this earth is over, I don't want to leave anything in me. I want everything, every potential, all of the potential that I have to have been tapped into, you know, um, I just think that that's important. Um, it's the way to live life to the fullest, you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know when this shift happened. I wish I, I wish I knew the counterpoint, like of when I got to this epiphany of, you know, say yes and figure it out. Right. But, um, I wish I knew when it was, but I can't, I don't know when it was. I think it was just an evolution of life and the yeses and the noes and the appointment, the disappointments and, you know, the great stuff. And, you know, like you said, you know, as you get older, life has a way of shaping you into what you were meant to be, but we just have to be open to it. So, yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much for all of the great insight and, you know, advice too, because I think this is all really important. Um, and I can't wait to see you in Boston. It's just a few months away. So it's, it's can't wait. By that time, by that time, the gray hair would have stopped growing and I will have this <laughs> book under my fingertips and I'll stop cursing Andres's name every time right. I get to one of those songs that I won't say which one. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But, um, I can't wait. But I would like to say, um, we were talking before we started, we were talking about people, uh, examples and leading with the heart. And I just have to give out a shout to my man, Melvin Baldwin, who has been a light on and off the stage. You know, um, that's, that's, I call him big unk. That's my uncle. <laughs> uh, he's just, you know, um, outside of playing, you know, the wrong drum heads and, you know, the sticks <laughs> that he uses, you know, outside of all of that. Yeah. You know, he is he is an, an amazing individual. And um, I just want to take this time to publicly thank him for the the seen and unseen um, example that he set, you know, on the stage and off. So. Love you, Melly. Yeah, we love you, Melly. Hope to see you soon again, too. Um, but thank you for saying that, too. I think it's important to recognize those people in our lives. And Absolutely. Melly's great. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right, Q. It was awesome catching up with you. Thank you so much today. And we will see each other in person in a couple months. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I, I love everything you're doing. And if there's any way that I can support, you know, however you know, let me know and we'll try to get it done. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And it's, and it's that kind of relationship that's important, right? Right there. Always. Okay. <laughs> you take care. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Right, All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.